Romans chapter 6. I tell you, this is, this is just a... This is so important for us to understand because it's what we focus on in life determines how we live. Now, let me just read this for you. I'm going to start with verse 4, and it's a, it's a terrible thing to start uh, on a verse that says, therefore. You know why? Because you need to know why that verse is, therefore. So every time you read a verse that says, therefore, that means there's things before that that this is bringing reference to. So this is, when it says, therefore, this is what that is explaining. Okay, so they go together. And, and, and the, the passage of Scripture before that, it doesn't start really at, at chapter, uh, at verse 1, but it goes on up there talking about how by one man's offense all men have, are guilty, and by one man's uh, work all men are righteous. And then Paul gets down in here and talks about in verse 1, says, What shall we say then? Shall, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And he says, Certainly not. How shall, and this is verse 2, it says, How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know, I like that part, or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death? Therefore, we were buried with Him through baptism into death that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we, everybody say, even so we, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. Now stop right there for a second. What this is saying, see, what I believe has happened in the body of Christ is that, and, and please, don't go out of here saying that this preacher was talking against the cross. Darling, I'm not saying anything against Calvary. A heretic! I have hair and I never found a tick up there, but you know what I'm saying? I guess I, anyway, I had hair anyway. Uh, listen, I'm not saying anything about the cross, uh, negative about the cross. But, I was, the, but it says here that our likeness our identi we identify with Christ, you know, through the baptism, the process of baptism. It's like we're, as Christ died on the cross, we're identifying with what He did, and we died with Him on the cross, and we put ourselves through baptism. We've died, but we don't live there. See, Jesus didn't live on the cross, did He? You hear what I'm saying? He died on the cross. He paid the price for our sin on the cross. I love the cross. I'll, I'll sing. Oh, I mean, uh, uh, listen, I, I, I'm not trying to diminish the value of the cross. I'm trying to explain that the life we live is not because of the cross. The life we live, the motivation, the excitement, the energy, the truth of what causes us to live in this life is not the cross. It is the resurrection. It is in the resurrection. It is in the life of Jesus being resurrected from the dead that brings us life. And it's that we live in. Most people in the body of Christ are still... 
I, I mean, there's people that still have a cross around their neck with Jesus still hanging on the cross. They're still focused on the cross. The see, if, you're, if you focus on the suffering Savior, you're going So a person thinks in his mind, so is he. The Bible says people that don't have a vision cast off restraints. So that tells us if we take that scripture in Proverbs, it, it, that, that's also saying that if we have vision, we'll bring on restraints. So we have to make sure that the vision that we have about our identity in Christ is the right vision to have. And depending on where we've been in the course and the, the race that we've run, God has brought each and every one of us here through a different path to get us here this morning. Now, this is not my first church I've been to, and it's not your first church you've been to. Because we've all had a different journey. And we've seen different things, and people have told us different things. But we need to make sure that the vision that we have, the, the identity that we have, is in Christ Jesus the way we're supposed to... See, it's not in Calvary, our identity. The life that we live is in the power of the resurrection. The Bible says this, the Bible says that the very Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. It doesn't say the very power that killed Him on the cross. It says the very Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. So we can die? No, so you can live. Oh, yeah. So you can magnify God. See, you living magnifies God. You being able to overcome situations in your life or, or go through the storm and not lose it is a magnification of the glory of God that's inside of you. It's the Word working in you. I tell you, the world needs to see where we are His living epistles, the Scripture calls it. The book of Acts isn't done. It's still open. People are reading you in what you do and how you live, whether you like it or not. Somebody out there is looking at somebody and saying, well, man, that church is full of hypocrites. I'm not saying our church. I'm talking about all the other churches. You know what I'm saying. Just kidding. Somebody's reading somebody all the time. The question, are they reading when they see you and the life that you're living, are they seeing, are they reading Jesus? Do they see the power of God working in you? Are you an overcomer? You know, see, that's, see, I believe the people that, that, that there's, there's people in the body of Christ that are good-hearted, good they love God, uh, they're just working with the Scripture that they've been given, but they don't have a clear vision of what the Word says how to be. You know, the children of Israel lived their whole life under the Old Covenant. The Old Covenant was established in the, in the flesh. It was not a spiritual thing, even though the sacrifices portrayed a spiritual thing, and for a season were a type and shadow. The Scripture says the law was a type and shadow of good things to come. It was a process, but that process was mainly constructed and lived out on the outside. 
You know, as long as you perform the works of the religion or the works of the old covenant, you did the sacrifices, you didn't do this, you did the Sabbath, you know, as long as you did everything right, you were okay. It didn't matter what was in your heart. The children of Israel experienced the very power and presence of God, but they knew His ways but didn't know Him. They saw His hands. But when it came to the Jordan, they didn't have the faith to believe to go to the other side. They had to walk around in the wilderness for another 40, 40 years until that generation of unbelief fell off. So a new generation could rise up and take them across to the other side. You know, uh, and I've shared this before and I'm going to say it, say it again, but for you that don't understand, how many, how many uh, when the children of Israel came up to the Jordan, to go across the Jordan into the promised land. The prom What's the promised land? God's plan for them. It's the land of milk and honey. It's a type and shadow of the kingdom of heaven on this earth. The, they were going to reap where they didn't sow. You understand? Boy, that's a, most, of people, most people in the body of Christ are waiting to receive from what they've sown. You know, in God's kingdom, you can receive from things that you didn't even sow into. In the promised land. You know, all of this over here was a way for living. It's what God had promised them. It's what God had put out them to go for. And they came up to the river and they sent how many spies to the other side? to spy? They spied out the land. Twelve. They took 12 spies. They took one from each tribe and they said, go to the other, go over there and spy out the land for us. How many spies came back? Twelve, Twelve came back. How many came back with a bad report saying you can't have what God said we could have? Ten. How many spies said that you can have what God said, go get it? When Jesus was approached with the, the, the question, how many, uh, you know, what's the greatest commandment? You know, he did, you know, how, many, how many did he say there was? Two. How many are there? See, if you just live... see. Just obeying the Ten Commandments on the outside is not the issue. It's what's in your heart. See, if you live in a, in a life of just the outside, you'll never, you'll, never, you'll never cross the Jordan into the promised land and live in the kingdom of heaven on this earth. You don't have to wait to go to heaven. You can live in heaven. I'm not saying cherries, uh, apple pie and cherry pie and everything's going to be hunky-dory. But you can have the presence of God. You can have the peace of God. No matter what the circumstances are around you, you can have the peace of God in your heart. You can, you can live in a kingdom where the promises of God are yes and amen. amen. Everything that pertains to life and godliness has already been given to us. Where? In His kingdom. Well, I don't see it out here. It's not supposed to be outside His kingdom. It's supposed to be a king's reign is only in His kingdom. Man, I tell you what, when you, get, when you get into scriptures like this to realize that, that the Apostle Paul is speaking to Gentiles and some Jews that are there and some Gentiles that have, have become Jews, but there was a lot of people here that didn't know anything about Jewish culture, didn't know anything about the history of the Jews. And Paul's speaking to some people in Romans and Italy, and he's telling them about, listen, you're baptized 
into His death. You're baptized into Christ. You've been baptized into His death. And that's your, you're in the likeness. That, you, you've identified with that. But you live according to His resurrection. Because a lot of times we want to hold up the sacrifice of the suffering Savior and stay there. Listen, you can't have the resurrection without the death. But we're going to walk in victory not because the death. We're going to walk in victory because of the resurrection life of Jesus Christ our Lord. Let me go ahead and read the rest of this and we'll call it, we'll call it closed. I'm going to read verse 4 again. Therefore we, we were buried with Him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. Oh, that's... <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm just going to interject this. How was Christ raised from the dead? The glory of the Father. Moses was in the glory of the Father. And his face shone, right? Because of the light of God. Mount Transfiguration, Jesus was in the glory of the Father, and he came down and his face shone because he is in the light of God. In the very darkest recesses, pit, in the pit of hell, in the darkest of dark, the light of God shows up. The glory of God showed up in the darkest of darkness. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm getting goosebumps right now. As dark and as ugly as you think hell is, the glory of God showed up and brought forth life. I don't care how bad your situation is. All you need is the glory of God. Uh-oh. What's that scripture? Christ in us, the hope of <laughs> we won't go there let's go on therefore we are buried with him through baptism in the death that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the father even so we I'm going to say it again even so we even so we also should walk in the newness that's how we're supposed to walk. We're supposed to walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of His death, certainly we also should be in the likeness of His resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with Him. I'm going to stop right there. I want everybody to look up here at me for a second. I'm going to give you a little commercial about Easter. I'm going to take you someplace you probably had never been before. Is that okay? Jesus died on the cross, did he not? How many crosses were there? Three. Three is a powerful number in the Word. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Spirit, soul, and body. 
Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I mean, you can go on and on and on. Three, 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 three. Three is a powerful number. All the numbers have meaning and all the numbers are powerful, but three. Three and seven, wow. Three and seven are like... Do you think there was only... There were three crosses just by accident? Or do you think God had purpose for all three crosses? I'm going to cause you to think. All the Bible scholars, I want you to think right now. I'm looking at Dylan. He's, he's, he's all right. He's ready. I'm going to submit something for you to think about until Easter. Study the Word. Check it out. Remember, my job as a teacher is not to convince you what I know is right. It's to challenge the way you think so the teacher can teach you. Colossians chapter 2 says that the handwritings of the requirements that were against us were set out of the way, nailing them to the cross. Jesus, the law and commandments that were against us on another cross, who represents the law in the Word of God? Moses. I show you scripture after scripture where Moses is referred to as the law, and the law is referred to as Moses. He represents the law. That Moses was on one cross, not the physical body. You understand? But he represented. The law was on one cross. And what's it say right here? That our old nature was crucified with Christ. What's it mean, the old nature? Your sin nature. We know sin was put on the... Jesus was made sin who knew no sin. But was it on the same... See, I believe that all three crosses had a purpose in God's plan. One for our Redeemer, one for the law, and one for our sin nature that goes all the way back to Adam. Boy, that's going to make... Look at Dylan. He's writing. He's he going to study on that, bless God. That's good. Because I want you to study. I want you to open the Word. I tell you, that's going to make some people think. Just to give you a little... I, give, I'm going to give you... I can't help this. I'm going to give you some things to think about. What were they on the cross? Thieves and robbers? Were the other two? Jesus and thieves and robbers, right? <laughs> what was Adam's first sin? Everybody says disobedience, right? What is it when you take something that's not yours? He was a thief. What was on the cross? A thief. What's it say in Malachi? The last, the first sin in the Bible is a thief. The last sin in the Old Covenant is a robber who steals from God. Pam is it? She's it. Man, I got Pam on now. She's like, mmm. Whoosh. <laughs> I'm giving you something to think about. Mmm. 
No, <laughs> no, you got to come back Easter. And you, you've heard me talk about this before, but you know the scripture. Everybody says that the devil is a is a thief. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy, right? But I've showed you in the Bible that's not what it says. It doesn't say the devil. You know what it says? All that have come before me are thieves and robbers. Whew, getting quiet in here. See, you don't know you don't know the fresh rate, you don't know the fresh manna you're getting right now. I guarantee you there's a whole lot of people. Never seen that before, huh? I just, I tell you, oh. Mmm. Mmm. <laughs> oh, gosh. Hang on, church. Let me go ahead and try to finish reading this. Verse 6, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him. Wow, that takes on another meaning, doesn't it? That the body of sin might be done away with. Just to let you know that the Bible is so cool. And I've shared this before, but I need to share it again now. Joshua 3, verse 16, tells a story. It's actually right in the middle of a story of the children of Israel going across the Jordan the second time, coming up to it. Not the first time, but the second. And they're told to take the priest with the Ark of the Covenant out into the middle of the Jordan at the time of harvest, the scripture says it overflows its banks. And as the priest stepped into the, the Jordan and the water began to part all the way, the, 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 the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle. And all throughout history, the children of Israel were looking forward to the cross and behind it as it led them. And for the first time in history, they bypassed the cross and now were ahead of the cross looking back. That is a type and shadow of Calvary. That's a type and shadow of Jesus hanging on a cross, parting the Jordan, letting the people go into a promised land that God had promised them, a life of milk and honey, a life of, uh, of, of reaping where they didn't have to sow. But when they did sow, they got a great return. Things grew bigger. Listen, how would you like to plant and have your radishes get bigger than everybody else's radishes? How would you like to plant and have what you plant turn out bigger than everybody else's investments in the world? Amen? How would you like to do the things of God and have them come back to you greater than what they did under the law? And in and, and Joshua 3.16, this is the cool part of this. It says, is it on the board? That the waters which came down from above stood and rose up in a heap far, very far from the city. Listen, God pushed back what was in their way all the way back to 
A town, do you think by accident God called this town Adam? Or do you think he planned for us, for as an example, to push the water off? In other words, what, what happened at Adam? Where was the first sin? Where was the first law? He pushed the water back all the way back to Adam and it stopped flowing all the way to death. From, from the beginning to the end, God has moved everything out of our way that keeps us out of the promised land that he paid for through Jesus Christ at Calvary on the cross. And most people are still looking at Calvary instead of walking in faith, going across the other side and living in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. That's good preaching. Let me read the rest. Knowing, sorry. No. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall live with Him. Everybody that wants to live a life in Christ and live in the promises and walk in the victory and the resurrection power, stand up and let's pray. And we're going to end this service. Father, we thank You for this opportunity You've given us to open Your Word this, this morning. Holy Spirit, we recognize you as the great teacher and we surrender our heart to receive your word as we go from this place. And as we go from this place, we know that you're not leaving us and we're not leaving you, but you're going with us. You're in us. We're carrying your presence. We are the ark of the new covenant. We carry your manifest presence with us everywhere we go. May that awareness of the resurrection May the awareness of the life that you brought into Jesus after he had died in his resurrection now dwells in us. May we have a clear mental picture of the resurrection so we can walk in the victory, walk in the power, walk in the authority, live in the promises, and affect the world around us for your glory. And all God's people said, Amen and Amen and Amen.